Hey, hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. There is no specific episode this week. This is our last one of the year, and it's a bit of a special one because it's not just Adam and I talking crap for just over an hour. We've got the whole team together. The whole band is together for the first time on a podcast. Actually, the first time ever for anything. Podcast, live meetup, anything like that. So we're all good. So we're going to round the year off with a bit of a roundtable. We're going to talk about Series 13, The Flux, in general we're going to go through some stuff that we like some stuff we didn't quite like and just give you our overall impressions and then we're going to finish up with a wee bit of what we're looking forward to for the festive special and the two specials that are coming up next year so i'm gary as always and joining me for the round table is jordan shortman hello 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 maria how are you doing i'm fine thanks gary i'm okay good stuff matt mr matt Steele. Mr. Matt Steele. <laughs> he says hello from beyond Skype. Harry, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Gary. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Mark, how are you doing, dude? Not too bad, thank you. All things um, considered. Nice to be here, as always. Yes, all, all things considered, indeed, yes. Good, good, good. And our usual co-host, the other half of the Big Blue Box podcast, the guy that's not a hundred percent happy today, but we think he's he's bearing up. He's all right. How you doing, dude? It's Adam. I'm good, mate. Yes, I've got all the f bombs out of my system. Yes. So it yeah. should be a should be a family rated podcast from now on. We hope so. I don't have to put that explicit badge. Don't want to have to mute me. There. No, no. no. <laughs> so we have got a couple of technical gremlins, dear listener, just to warn you up front. Most of us are cool. We're all good. But as usual, Skype's not playing ball. So if one of us drops out or if all of us drop out, then yeah, we will just work around that as always. It's a bit like the TARDIS playing up. Every now and then you have to whack it with a hammer or do something, but we'll work around it, I'm sure. So the first thing I want to get into in regards to Series 13 is the concept of the series itself. So in previous, and I don't mean concept as in the storyline or the synopsis, but the approach that the uh, the Chibinator took with this particular series. So previous to this, it had followed the same format as all the previous series of Doctor Who. This one, he changed it up a bit. He did a series-wide arc over six episodes, and it was a bit of a broad churchy thing, right? So um, how do we feel that went in relation to applying that to Doctor Who and having that, uh, watching this as a, I imagine, uh, watching this as a bit of a binge watch, possibly over six episodes, after it had gone out weekly. So let's go over to uh, ladies first. Maria, what do you reckon to this as an arc then? Um, I, I think initially I was very kind of nervous about um, how one story would fit in within six episodes, but I've actually been pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm, I mean, it, as a concept, I think the idea is a really good one. I, I think, obviously, you know, there's been a few issues with um, the amount of um, content that's gone into it. But as a concept, I think it's been a really good one. I think um, one of the most exciting things is it's brought back cliffhangers for me, which I've kind of really missed. And it reminds me of kind of watching the classic series. So, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it as a concept. I think it's been exciting week on week to kind of see what was going to happen next. So I've really enjoyed the journey. Maybe not the destination, but I've really enjoyed the journey. <laughs> Good answer. 
what a good one to kick us up with. Uh, Harry, what do you reckon? Well, um, I think there's a difference between sort of ideas and execution. I think as an idea, it's a really nice one because, you know, resources were limited as a result of COVID and they had to kind of change their plans a lot. And I think this is the best thing they could have done. I think, you know, you know, I commend them for being ambitious despite all of the obstacles they had in their way. Uh, and it was, you know, nice that the idea of uh, going back to a serialized format. Um, having said that, I think it started off promising, but then it kind of fell really flat for me. I feel like with these sort of um, grand epics, uh, you know, we've had the likes of uh, like Game of Thrones and like the Marvel Infinity Saga in recent years in like pop culture. I feel like there's always a lot of promise and then it's never as good as like it's it's set, out, set up to be. Uh, and then it always just ends up uh, to some extent falling a bit flat and that's what i felt like flux was i felt like it started off really really promising and i was really excited more excited than i've ever been this whole era and then it, it just kind of fell as flat as a pancake for me which is oh a strange analogy but there you go oh dear started off strong then pancaked at the end i read you indeed mark i'm to be honest <clears throat> amazed it took doctor who this long to kind of go back to a serialized format. I mean, it's, that's what it was, you know, for 26 years. Um, and obviously I think when it came back in 2005, it had to do that kind of single 45 minute stories, occasional two parters to fit in with the television landscape at the time. But you look at TV now, you know, line of duty, it's one story over six hours. Um, everything is, is one story with the arse dragged out over a long period of time. <laughs> I think what I enjoyed about Flux was it kind of had its cake and ate it. It was kind of a six-part story, but it also had some very enjoyable, like, individual Doctor Who stories within it as well. Um, like, you know, War of the Sontarans, Village of the Angels, stuff like that, which had this kind of narrative through line so you know it's kind of dalek master plan for a for the netflix generation it's great like as a concept i think it's brilliant okay okay cool matt if we can hear you let us know <laughs> give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down uh and in the middle that was kind of on the fence on the it? fence for matt yeah. yeah jordan what do you think I th I th I think I agree. It sort of at the end, it was started off. It was brilliant, and then it sort of it curved, and then very quickly went downhill. But I think Mark's right. I think a lot of TV nowadays, or a lot of TV, all of TV these days, is is serialized. Pretty much everything you watch these days is serialized. Um, so I think it was quite good to see Doctor Who kind of step into that. Now, um, I'm surprised it's taken them. I mean, Doctor Who's now been around for what 15, 16 years since it came back, and I think the sort of the monster of the week episode was how TV was done back then. You look at things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and um, the X Files and stuff like that. It was always a monster of the week. Whereas now, I mean, even things on Netflix like like Dynasty or Riverdale or something like that. It's one story told over God knows how many episodes. Um, and I think that I think it has proven that that works for Doctor Who. I'm not sure Chibnall had the 
the ability to pull it off in the end, but I think it, it worked. It's proven that if Davis wants to do it, Davies wants to do it next year, that it can work for it can work for Doctor Who. Hmm. Okay. You guys are on fire with the answers tonight. I expected this to be a how did you think it it's went? It's like Disaran. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you think it went? Yeah, it's fine. Cool. Moving on. But no, this is very good. Actually, yeah, Jordan's got a bit of a... Is he drunk? No, he's all right. <laughs> right, Adam. It's been a very long day at work. He's taken over from me, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, normally I would have an alcoholic beverage, but tonight I'm going cold. <laughs> Our <laughs> listener. Water, so Jordan's obviously filling in for me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Our listener knows our thoughts on Flux, obviously. But do you just want to give a recap, dude, on your overall thoughts on the concept of a, a one big story over six parts? Yeah, I think we were both quite excited, weren't we, when we heard that Chibbers was doing that. We, we felt like that would suit his writing style uh, a lot better. And I think in some ways it did. Um, so I applaud him for his ambition. Um, but the problem is he kind of made a rod for his own back, really, didn't he? And it, it kind of collapsed under its own weight. So I like the concept of it. And I think there were some great things thrown in and, uh, yeah, some nice ideas and, and everything. But, yeah, like like I think a lot of us feel in this chat tonight, they didn't all really come together, and the problem is when you when you um, advertise something as the biggest adventure yet, which we've had a few times now, you really it's got to live up to it. And um, I think by the time you got to the end of it, it didn't. So yeah, I think it was heading in the right direction. I just think it it came apart pretty much halfway through, really. And then we had a good Angel episode, which tidied us over, and we thought, oh, maybe we're back on track. But then by the time we got to the final, I th- I think the general consensus was it. Um, it was disappointing. And then that's the problem when you're doing a, a story arc. You know, that ending has got to be satisfying in some degree. Otherwise, it makes the rest of the series a little bit... It taints the rest of the series, basically. So, But I applaud the ambition behind it, and I, I like the idea. I just think it, it buckled under its own weight, unfortunately. Pancaked, as Harry said. Pancaked. Flat yeah. as a pancake. Before we a move pancake on... pancake with no sugar in it. With no... Oh... <laughs> It gets worse. Oh, good. Not good. <laughs> Indeed. Before we move on, Matt, have you resolved anything your end to give us your your point of view, or is it still sign language? Oh no, so. you are. Can we you... can hear you. Yes. Oh, can you hear me? We can hear you. Amazing. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Right. I'm not going to touch a single thing, and hopefully we'll be okay. <laughs> don't move. Don't blink, and don't move. Like episode of Mr. <laughs> Bean where he gets the TV aerial just in the right place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matthew, what did you think of the flux? Well, I leading up to the flux, I I I must admit I wasn't overly enthusiastic. I don't know why, but I just I I haven't felt that way for a long time now. The the way you used to feel when you're coming up to a series and it's all kicking off, and you get that anticipation building but i was pleasantly surprised after the first episode leaving on the cliffhanger i was glued to the screen almost falling off my chair and i I loved it all the way up until episode five Mm. that's when things take a bit of a downturn for me um I, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I, episode six is just a bit of a mess for me, and I, I don't know really how to how to say it, but it just didn't deliver on on hardly anything that was building the entire series. 
Right. In terms of it being an event series, I thought it worked really well for Doctor Who. Um, I think nearly every series these days, like Jordan was saying, sticks to one story arc throughout the series. And it does work if you can back it up with following through with your ideas, which I just true. don't think yeah. happened completely. Yes, true. Yeah. So the Flux Chapter 6... The unsugared pancake is what we're kind of in agreement with there. Also, I do want to play devil's advocate, though, because there are a few shows where not having the, uh, well, uh, a very consistent story arc over a series still does work. If anyone's ever watched The X-Files, you will know that that does very well. So that has a mixture of... (laughs) Well, the first half for, of the X Files. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I was like, for the first five or six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that has a very good mix of having these um, lore slash arc stories that run through the series, but they also intersect that with sort of Creature of the Week episodes where they're mostly isolated and it's not part of the main story. And that worked like, you know, yeah, you're, you're right, Mark, the first five or six uh, seasons of that was very good so it can work but yeah i agree the the more modern way of storytelling these days where you do have a single arc i guess over a single series it's um and i think that's more the streaming as a result of streaming because a lot of um uh streaming made services where you have netflix making their own shows and amazon making their own shows they'll just dump the lot in one go and so it makes sense to watch that as one long thing. Things like Cobra Kai and, you know, those sorts of things. So I agree. I agree. It's, um, it can work. It's just that I'm not sure the Chibbers just knows how to write sci-fi, if I'm being brutally honest. I think he's very good at writing the more down-to-earth, gritty, crimey, everyday kind of dramas. I think he's, you know, he's very good at that. But where it concerns, yeah, which is really surprising to me because a lot like Russell... He claims to be a lifelong Doctor Who fan and has, uh, claims to know it inside out and has good ideas. But there we go. It's down to you guys to debate this stuff. So open it up to the floor then. Let's talk about some things uh, that were good about uh, Series 13, whether, we, whether it's the, uh, uh, a particular episode that you liked or Jodie's performance or uh, Swarm and Azure, anything you like. Um, somebody kick us off. What are some good things? about flux because i feel like we, we shouldn't bash it because adam and i have done enough of that over the last six well, weeks so um i was gonna say where do you want me to start because i really liked flux i think i'm the only person here that, that did um i i think it's jodie whitaker's hands down her best performance as the doctor agreed yeah through all six episodes she's so comfortable in that role now and she feels very much like her own Doctor, there was a lot of people, which I, I totally disagree with, but there was a lot of people going, oh, she's just like a female David Tennant, blah, 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 blah. But here, I think she's she's a much more interesting um, portrayal of the Doctor. And just, she j- absolutely nails the humour in a way that I don't think we've really seen since maybe Matt Smith, and even then Matt could push it a bit too far into kind of cringeworthy. Whereas I think... Just little subtle things like in the Vanquishers where she tricks the Sontarans and she licks her lips. Just just little subtle gags like that. Mm. It's just so enjoyable to watch. Um, so I think she's great. She balances the comedy with the, the drama of it so well. Um, 
and I'm, I'm going to be really sorry to see her go, actually, to be honest. We've only got kind of three hours left, and I kind of feel like I want I want at least another year, you know, with, with the 13th Doctor. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's, that's my opening salvo, I guess, on positives. I do agree with you there, actually, Mark. I think this this is her best series. And I think because she was so good on this one, I do kind of want her to have another series. It's just a shame that, you know, this is her last full go at it. And this was the only one where I thought she was actually... She always, I always thought she was good, but I thought this was the one where she actually finally became the Doctor. Mm, she needed a long run-up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, but then I don't know how much of that is down to Chibnall's writing. Well, I was oh. going to say also, isn't that just because... Because I, I always take against this kind of um, sort of post-2005 idea of what the Doctor is. Because like in the classic series, they were the Doctor was never this like... You know, they make a joke about it in Twice Upon a Time. He was never this like braggadocio hero that would just like swagger into places and just give big long speeches and all that kind of thing. They would just you know, mess stuff up, save the day, move on to the next place. And I really think I've been re-watching the Jodie Wirt Carrera for my own podcast, and I really feel she gets that and she really nails that. And I think what a lot of people, when they kind of criticise her and they criticise Chris Chibnall, is that they're expecting these sort of big universe-ending stakes and her to make these like sort of big, difficult decisions and, and all this kind of thing. And obviously you get that in Flux. That's the kind of that's basically what you, it's like Chris Jibble's going you want that do you here you go <laughs> alright <laughs> just have it if you like you know and I think that's kind of what, what he's done and I think the payoff's been great I think because you've had two you've had one series which is very kind of slower paced kind of doing interesting things bringing back the historical element of Doctor Who then you had a kind of something that was a bit more kind of a Russell T Davis Stephen Moffat tribute act and then you have this kind of big epic sort of a uh, serial so mm. maybe she feels more like the doctor to people because she's in within that kind of um sphere mm. interesting so um there's a couple of people actually yes yeah, so a couple of i think matt you were not too if i remember correctly you weren't as um against should i say jodie whittaker being the doctor and stuff i think you're you don't mind jodie is that right oh uh, no you're on mute, dude. Unmute Skype. It's Skype. Let's go muted. back to thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, <laughs> Can I unmute you? This is amazing. Can I unmute you? This is like that scene where Dan is having a video call. And I haven't seen him move. I don't there know how he's managed to mute speak. himself. Speak. Go. Can you hear me now? Yes. You've, yeah, we go. <laughs> okay. It, it keeps freezing for some reason. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I've pressed that unmute button about 50 million times. Um However, we're back. So, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed, um, I have really enjoyed Jodie's run. I wasn't, it took a while for me to accept her as the Doctor for me. Um, series 11 was a little bit rocky. I think that's pretty much standard thoughts across the board. But Series 12 onwards, I thought she was great. And she's kept getting stronger. Um Flux, I thought her acting was, yeah, brilliant. I thought she was firing on all cylinders, um, especially when it comes to the darker moments. I wish that we see more of that, but that is much more down to the writing, I think, 
than actually her decision in the role. So, yeah, for me, Jodie has been a great doctor when given the writing to back her up um, and the direction. And, I, yeah, I will be sad to see her go, I think. Mm, okay. I'm going to circle around Harry in a second, um, but I know that there are two people that are not happy chappies, happy bunnies uh, with Jodie. So, Maria, based on your reviews thus far of Flux and so on, uh, happy with Jodie's performance throughout Flux? Uh, I, I have I have actually enjoyed it probably more than any other series, and I, I don't know if it's because Chris Chibnall's writing has come up a notch, you know, whether he's in a comfortable place where he's able to write her in a in a more flow, flowing kind of way, you know, obviously because it's one long story, um, or whether it's because she's had an ensemble around her that's not her companions. Because I, I, I think she's actually worked better with when she's worked against the guest actors in the series rather than with her companions. Um, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like the companion relationship that she has with her companions. I, I think I prefer it when she's with the other actors, you know, because you can see it with um, is it Kevin. McAnally and the actress who plays Claire, you know, they kind of bounce off each other so much. And, you know, and, and I, you know, some of the standalone stories that she's had as well, you know, the Suntaran one and the Weeping Angels ones, I think she's been really strong. You know, she's what she's, she's been on her own maybe without her companions. And, um, and, you know, the writing has played to that. I think, and it, it's made her, she seems to come across a lot better. And I don't know whether they've kind of just cut out some of the sillier stuff that, you know, they've had in previous series as well, which, um, you know, yeah, I, I have enjoyed her this series. I think she's um, she's been a lot better. I, I, she feels more more like the Doctor that I would expect her to be, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, yeah. Okay. Uh, Adam? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm sort of biting my lip a bit because um, I, I don't, yeah. I I think this has been her strongest season in terms of her performance and um, and to an extent the way she's been written. But the thing is with Jodie is every time I start to warm to her, she then goes off on this sort of zany sort of side of her Doctor, which a lot of people enjoy. I mean, this is, this is the thing about Doctor Who. Every time we get a new Doctor, certain aspects of their character will appeal more to some people than others. You know, it's just the way it is. Some people like Colin's tetchiness. Other people's find him too abrasive. So, for example, when Jodie did the snap scene, people find that hilarious. I can't stand it. I just like, <laughs> oh, I just, I hate that scene. So I, I can't, I don't mind Jodie, but I don't think her performance is particularly good. And I don't really understand when, sorry to say, like people say, she nailed it. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I just don't think she does. Uh, she doesn't hit the right level of performance um, for me personally. Uh, but that's not to say I don't like her. I just don't love her, uh, if you know what I mean. I just, as I said, every time I think, oh, she's good. Like, I liked her in episode one. I really liked her in the Santaran one, actually. 
for me, that was her better performance. I, Maria, you were just saying you thought she was good in the Angel one. I, I liked the Angel episode, but she uh, really annoyed me in it. She's way too zany and bouncing off the walls. But if you look at the Sontaran one, like you said, she's good when she's bouncing off another cast member that's not a regular. And I, I really thought that was probably her better episode for me personally. But it's weird because, you know, when she has that dark coat on, even in those small scenes where she's playing the darker doctor, I really want to see more of that. But that, that's what I mean about personal taste. That's just how I want the doctor to be. So mm. I don't really think it's her. I just think her personality as the doctor doesn't appeal to me personally. So maybe not so much a performance. She just, her doctor just doesn't, uh, well, appeal to the, what I like. Probably what you were saying, Mark, it's just not what I see as the Doctor. So I, it's interesting because, you, you know, you're saying that the Darker Doctor, I'm bored rigid by the Darker Doctor. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've had it for so many years. But now, not so much like, the Darker Doctor, Mark. It's just the fact that she's that so over the top with the gurning faces and the silliness. I can't stand it. And yeah. I don't mean like I want them to be like a pouty grumpy all the time, but just she's just so over the top in her performance. I, I can't get on board with her. I can't. She doesn't command a room for me. She she reminds me of a supply teacher that you just nobody takes any notes of when she comes in and starts laying down the law. You know, even the Santaras and that just laugh her. She just doesn't have any command of the screen for me personally anyway. I'm not saying I want her to be a dark doctor. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't find her particularly engaging as the doctor. Mm. it's a bit like um yeah i think the most common description of jody's doctor that i've certainly heard from from us in our team and also just other podcasts and blogs and, and whatnot is it's a bit like when you don't want to have an argument with your other half it's always that thing where it gets a little bit you're not fighting yet but it gets a little bit towards that bit and it's always that one saying isn't it? it's like I'm not, I'm not starting. I'm just saying, and that's what it's like with Jodie. It's like, I'm not saying I don't like her, but I'm just not fussed when she goes. That's probably the most common thing. I know you don't feel hundred percent like that, Mark, but, um, that's just, you know, that's the kind of, you know, the thing it's like, I'm not saying I want her to be, you know, like, um, like time Lord victorious kind of dark. I'm not saying, I think, it's not like we absolutely need her to be one pigeonholed type of doctor, but I do, I do agree with you, Adam, in that. And this is probably the way it's, she's been written for, I think is part of the problem as well, is that she does try to come across a little bit like, you know, when you watch, um, not now, obviously some of you might, I don't know, but years ago when you watched programs that were on for, for, for kids like CBBC Saturday morning or whatever, and you see kids TV presenters who act completely nuts and weird. And you think, wow, it takes a lot to be a kids TV presenter because you have to act like an idiot for an hour. That's what it's like for me watching Jodie at various points. It's like she has a serious bit. She has a cool bit. She's not too bad. But then she does this weird kind of like kids presenter thing where she's, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but I kind of know where you're coming from, Adam. Mm. Um but you yeah, think, it's, it's weird. Do you think, Gary, um, just what you're saying, Gary, do you think it's the way that she kind of moves? Because I find sometimes the way Jodie moves is quite strange, and I think it's a little bit off-putting. <laughs> um, I think physically the way she moves, the way she kind of, 
you know, she kind of slouches a little bit, doesn't she, when she's kind of the doctor and then she moves really quickly. And I, I find that a bit distracting, actually. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of the Peter Cushing David Tennant. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand why Jodie Whittaker's not allowed to do that, but David Tennant gets away with blue murder. But that's just... Uh... Do you mean in his performance in general, Mark, or specific? Yeah, just, well, moves, it just, right? it just in the Tenth the ten Doctor. I mean, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I like David Tennant, but I think a lot of the criticisms that are, are levelled at Jodie Whittaker could be easily levelled, and one with a bit more kind of strength behind them, to sort of Peter Davison or David Tennant or, mm. you know, dots like that. And I just wonder what it is about Whittaker that, that rubs people up the wrong way. But that that's a whole separate Podcast, yeah, I think. yeah. <laughs> we tried really hard actually for the last six weeks when we were recording we actually said on a couple of episodes look we've got to really try not to compare Jodie to previous doctors because that could lead down the rabbit hole of yeah but so and so doctor didn't do that and she doesn't do it like that doctor and all that stuff so we really did try to there was only a couple of scenes and a couple of bits where we said at this particular point in the episode if you remember this episode where it was you know a similar kind of scene and similar stakes then you know, sorry, Mark, you know, David Tennant, there was this scene where he did go absolutely bonkers and completely just stole the hearts of everybody for that one minute. And it was such a great performance. And you were thinking, why didn't she just push herself more to give that kind of delivery, you know, in that kind of thing? But it's apples and oranges in a, in a way, because that's just how she decided. That was her decision as an actress to deliver that line and that scene. So like I said, it's difficult to to stop yourself from comparing to other doctors. It's a bit, yeah, a bit rubbish like that, but. And that's what I meant when I said about her in the dark coat, you see, because she was more like what you're saying, blow the doors off. I'm like, yes. Yeah, so she, there, you know, I could see a side of her doctor that I would like to see more of. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. see what I mean? It's not that I wanted to be dark. I just like the fact that she has got it in her to be commanding of the screen. Like in those little scenes where she was doing that. But she's and I playing, just thought I'd love to see Joe that. Martin. She's not playing Jordan. Exactly. Yeah, I, I guess that's maybe the, that's why yeah, I like Joe Martin's Doctor yeah. so much. Yeah. You know, because I just prefer that sort of Doctor that's a bit more uh, <laughs> trying to keep it from, ballsy. <laughs> I can say ballsy, can't I? Daddy, I'm not putting that explicit badge on. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Uh, right, Harry. Jody. Uh, Yes, uh, so I'll try not to uh, repeat any of the uh, excellent points that have been made, but um, yeah, I think your your point, Gary, about the CBBC uh, presenter thing uh, is is uh, I couldn't agree more. I I feel like uh, you know it's not my cup of tea personally. I think Jodie's portrayal, um, and I don't like her any more or any less in this particular series. I feel like she's just kind of been fairly one note throughout the whole thing for me personally, um, and. I think without those, uh, you know, moments of not necessarily dark doctor, but more sort of authoritative doctor, you know, like commanding the space, being like this, this, uh, you, you know, the higher status character, which I sort of see the doctor to be, you know, without doing that, um, I can't really engage uh, in, in the portrayal, unfortunately. And I feel like, I don't know whether that's more down to Chris's writing. I think it probably is. Uh, because, you know, there are flashes of brilliance, you know, when she was doing uh, The Roof Doctor uh, in episode three, I think it was, uh, th that was really good. Jodie was really good doing that. And, I mean, I've just thought just now, actually, that 
wouldn't it be interesting if maybe she came back and did big finish in years to come and then they maybe developed on that a bit more they did a sylvester mccoy type thing where like they they radically rethought the character uh and you know made it more uh darker for want of a uh better word um you know i think that could be quite something but as it stands right now um yeah i'm not sad to see her go if i'm honest <laughs> but um yeah i know that she's given it her all like you can tell she clearly loves the part and you can tell that she's you know i don't want to sound patronizing but you can tell that she's trying really hard and that she's doing um you know a great job at um you know being an ambassador for the show and all the rest of it so there is that yeah she gets a pat on the back and a gold star on her way out harry for being a good for being a good actress you did well there jody nice job yeah okay so i don't think we've got time to dive into all of the various characters that appeared throughout the series and stuff so if we've got time we are going to circle back to yaz and dan but i want to talk about the other end of the scale in terms of characters now let's go to the baddies because these guys were were um, very interesting uh, namely, uh, the two the, the two uh, dudes that were um, probably gave the Doctor the most amount of trouble and threat over the last couple of years that we've seen in Who. So Swarm and Azure, again, open to the floor. What did we think to these guys? Let's talk about them collectively. Jordan. I loved them. I thought they were brilliant. I think from, from the, the... I mean, the first episode... They're not really in it too much, I suppose. I the the one bit I don't get is the bit where Azure is disguised as a human and why she smashes that thing that's floating and and things like that. But I mean, I loved them. I mean, Swarm, Campus Christmas, and that great whole, shoulder pads. That, that whole <laughs> costume, that whole like you know the the eighties shoulder pads and the. The, the way he, the costume sort of like went in on his middle and came out. I loved it. And I mean, the bit in the second episode, where is Azure says, oh, I am Azure and I am your death. Mm-hmm. And she sort of touches that floating thing and it disintegrates. Kind of reminded me of like a, like a Sutek moment where he's like, I am Sutek, Lord of death. And mm-hmm. it, it, so he had, she had that sort of, that sort of a moment. I think they were kind of done dirty towards the end. <laughs> but I think it's kind of if this was supposed to be an eight episode series like we thought it was, I think you know, sort of episode six they'd have come back into it and seven and eight they'd have been the main baddies again. But no, I loved them. I thought they were brilliant. I mean some of the dialogue they had was amazing. It was mm. and that, that cliffhanger at the end of the Sontaran one where he's got like Yaz and he like snaps his fingers. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Before we move on any further, I think I just need to confirm something because Jordan already had 10 out of 10 respect points for you. But are you wearing a Ghostwatch t shirt? I have, yeah, I've got a Ghostwatch t shirt. <laughs> oh, wow. You're now <laughs> at 11, dude. I love that film. <laughs> You're now at 11 for me, 11 out of 10. I convinced my girlfriend that it was a genuine broadcast <laughs> up until about the last five, 10 minutes of it. She's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> what a show. Cool. Anyway, well done, Jordan. Good purchase of a T-shirt. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Azure and Swarm, jump in. Yeah, I mean, I thought Azure and Swarm, they were oh, they were probably the best baddies we've had in a long, long time. Mm. 
they they took command of every scene they were in. It, it was it's captivating to see such a level of threat for 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 Doctor Who, which I kind of think has been missing largely. I mean, it came back with the Master last year. Um, in a manner of speaking, I mean, it kind of fizzled out towards the end again. However, this series, it had just been just continuing episode on episode. The threat level was just 100% until we get to episode six, about halfway through. I mean, about halfway through episode six, it just went from 100 to zero. And they were just so easily defeated. I was just thinking, all of this build-up, what's going on? <laughs> Chibbers, what have you done? <laughs> but for episode one through to halfway through episode six, absolutely phenomenal. I couldn't fault them. Yeah, they were badass. So I, 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 I mostly agree with that, but I do think there's, there's something that a lot of people have missed about Flux, um, which is that, that Swarmers and Azura are brilliant. Absolutely fantastic villains, um, but actually, they as 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 well as the Suntarans, the Weeping Angels, and the less so the Grand Serpent, but but still he is valid. Is that mm. they're all trying to profit from the flux? They've all got their own agenda, um, and I think what makes Swarm and Azura so brilliant is that they are up there with the Suntarans and the Weeping Angels because they are a. a, a you know, a long-standing villain of the Doctors. It's just we've not met them before, uh, and the Doctor can't remember them. And that's a really great concept. And I think, um, and and you know, maybe they were defeated a little bit too easily. Um, I mean, they're just they're defeated by their master, who is deemed that they didn't succeed in their plan to kind of turn the flux um, to their own advantage. Um, so yeah, I really liked them, and I thought it was such an interesting concept. For a Doctor Who villain, um, and for a Doctor Who story to kind of have this massive universe-ending event, and then you see how other sort of characters from that universe would react to it, would try and benefit from it, um, it's, it feels very apt for our sort of COVID times. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I thought it was really good, I, but obviously I think that gets lost a bit in the kind of last couple of episodes where it does start to get a bit noisy and and, and a bit kind of complex. But I do think that's kind of what Chris Chibnall was was attempting to do anyway mm, yeah no, that's a good point yeah i think it was more so just a very quick um it was almost like a reverse of what they were trying to do to their to the doctor and the other people the other victims throughout where the quick snap of the fingers and they were you know disintegrated it was almost you know that was done to them very quickly at the end so it was kind of a nice karma i, I guess from that perspective i think but just people were really wanting them to almost survive this series so that they could come back you know and uh maybe they will i'm not sure maybe this is right well, for... i mean they're they're they're, ty- they're basically time they're, I, i'm not entirely sure how they but they they exist in time they're agents of time so presumably you can just he time can just rewind them and bring them well, back at any time i guess so like. i mean i guess yeah is that right i mean i, yeah, I can't I guess. see <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get the impression that they were gone i yeah. just think they've been that i didn't think they died i just thought they were just almost sent off to attention of the naughty step sort yeah. of thing you failed yeah. yeah true true i think it's ripe for for big finish as well those two i guarantee those two will be in a big finish story within the next 
five years, pretty much. Definitely. Uh, when they get the when they get the rights for Joe Martin's Doctor, they're going to be straight in there. Aren't they? Oh there yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Is you know what? That is what's going to keep Briggs this going until 2030, isn't it? It's yeah. Just Joel Martin. <laughs> Martin box sets from, until 2030. There you go. Has your opinion changed, Adam? What? On, as you're on, on the tour? No, I, I, I thought they were great. I, I, I thought performance from, from the actors as well was, was brilliant. Like you said, they had proper threat level. And uh, yeah, I was disappointed in the, in the way that they were so quickly diminished. But um, I hadn't thought about the karma thing. And I actually quite like that, actually. That hadn't occurred to me until you just said it, the fact that they were sort of taken out in the same way that they delivered it. And I actually quite like that idea but um no i thought they were great and i think that's the thing that's sort of been missing a bit from the chivalry is, is great scary you know monsters and threat and and they definitely had both so and i like the grand serpent mark you know and it's weird because when you mentioned him i went oh yeah grand serpent i wrote that because i'd forgotten all about him i don't think he was sort of utilized enough because i think he had great potential as well and i kind of hope we see a bit more of him in the specials i don't know if we will because i still don't quite know what he was trying to do but I thought he was he was good as well. He was yeah, great. he he was yeah. good. I mean, they mm. obviously cast Craig Parkinson. I think Chris Chibnall has said um, off the back of Line of Duty, where he played a very similar sort of manipulative character. Mm. And and I think while a lot of people were getting all up, get their sort of knickers in a twist about unit dating, I was like, no, but that's basically making a joke of the fact that unit dating is so messed up because the Grand Serpent. He's just gone back and messed around with it, so it's even more of a mess. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Just don't don't stress about it. He's just messing about with time. Um, and yeah, I kind of hope to see more of him because I like Craig Parkinson as an actor, um, and I think he was a really good kind of concept. Just this kind of intergalactic crime lord that's kind mm. of in it for himself. Yeah, he's he's good. He was good. Yeah, very sinister. And you're you're right about the unit dating because I mean that that horse bolted uh, ages ago. The unit dating timeline has been messed up. Terrible. <laughs> For for a long time, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, we shouldn't get too hung up on that. Yeah, it was a great character though, very very well written and performed. It's um, I was so sure he was going to end up being the master as well. Like they were going to yeah, throw this curveball. Like I know we've seen the master in the last series, and you're probably not expecting to see him or her again for a for a while. But you know, surprise here's like the because the whole snake thing and the whole you know, I just anyway, Maria, did you like the Grand Serpent? What do you reckon? Yeah, I I did. Um, I I mean, he he seemed like he was going to obviously just be a secondary character initially, obviously um, because he was part of um, Binder's story. But um, I liked that he came back. I didn't I didn't quite understand why he wanted to mess around with Unit, but um, yeah, I enjoy I enjoyed his sinister air. So um, yeah, I think it would have been nice to see him maybe have a bigger role um in the story because it, it felt it felt like he became one of the secondary characters but yeah no I did like him I thought the performance was really good and I've seen Line of Duty so you kind of know what to expect so yeah he was really good I really enjoyed him oh cool Harry what do you reckon uh I didn't really like the Grand Serpent all that much what? I'd call him you're lying the lame you're serpent lying. if I'm honest I love it <laughs> but I do yeah hold on are you serious I, I yeah gen- oh you're serious yeah, oh right okay I thought you just messing yeah. with us like, okay <laughs> no no honestly I, I, I didn't I wasn't uh, I wasn't a fan of that character um, and you know I don't understand like a couple of us have said what the motive was what the 
you know, uh, yeah, I just don't get it. And I don't understand as well why Swarm and Azure didn't really have more prominence. You know, I feel like if, um, I mean, it, you know, it's not a bad thing having all of these different, uh, you know, antagonists. And like, as you were saying, Mark, about, you know, having different uh, races across the universe finding ways to like profit from the flux. I mean, that's, you know, that's really interesting. Uh, but um, I, f- I feel like, you know, Swarm and Azure had so much potential and like, yeah, I don't think they were focused on enough and uh, it was a really, yeah, it was a really poor ending for them. Uh, again, started out well, started out promising, but then pancake. <laughs> <laughs> the dreaded pancake. Yeah. Matthew, Grand Serpent. Yeah, the Grand Serpent. I... <laughs> I agree with what pretty much everybody has said. Um, I think that majoritively, I think he's fallen into uh, old lady COVID's problems with the set and and the production. I think it having maybe a few more episodes, um, maybe there could have been a lot more to do with um, the Grand Serpent. I I just didn't really understand why he was there. In all honesty, I thought he was brilliant. I, um, I I think the only other time I've seen the actor is in Misfits. Complete different side of his acting skills, and it shows just how good of an actor he is. Because um, I thought the way he played the role was, yeah, fantastic. And directed really well as well. Um, but I just didn't get what was going on. <laughs> you didn't um, get what I should... was going on. I should point out, um, I don't know if anybody's heard of it, um, Craig Parkinson, who is the, the actor that plays Grand Serpent, um, hosts a podcast called The Two Shot Podcast. He did a really great interview with Jodie Whittaker, I think around the time um, she'd been either been cast as Doctor Who or the first series had gone out. So it's worth kind of going back and, and listening to that. It's a lot of fun. What's it called? I think I will. The Two Shot Podcast. He okay. does like loads of different podcasts. It's basically him and another actor talking about acting and, and things like that. But yes, yeah, uh, very good. Oh, cool, cool. Sounds familiar. A friend of mine that uh, actually came out with a good concept for Grand Serpent. Uh, so I give him credit for this because I thought it was good. Uh, Paul Burns. He he thought he was going to turn out to be an alternative universe master, and he was going to go up against Joe Martin's Doctor, which I thought I thought was a great mm. idea. I, 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 when he said that to me, I, that was before episode six went out. I said, "Oh, you might have you might have got something there, Paul. I think that's a cool idea, <laughs> but it wasn't to be." Yeah, but that would have been quite cool, I think. I'd, at least I think that's what he said. I don't know. Anyway, that's why I thought he was on there. This is another thing about, like, Miss Potential. Like, they dropped the multiverse bomb, like, towards the end of that series, and then they didn't do anything with it. And, like, you know, it obviously opens up a lot of doors for the future. But I don't know. They were talking about a lot of big things, like the Doctor's memory, and then they didn't, like, they didn't fulfil any promises. I mean, you know, maybe that's just my interpretation maybe no promises were made maybe it was just kind of like these are things which could happen at some point but mm. I, I don't know I, I found myself getting a bit disappointed by things that I thought were coming if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah you set your own expectations Harry hmm. I don't yeah, know I, I probably think shouldn't I, do that I was thinking too much <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you, you've got a point over the multiverse because the minute that because I loved episode 5 with just these massive sort of sci-fi concepts and but i do remember the episode ending and being like i'm not entirely sure they're going to be able to pull all this together at the end and especially like if this was midway through chris chibnall's era i'd be like oh man like where are we going with this this is going to be like really exciting but there's like three specials left and then 
Russell takes over. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see, obviously, now the multiverse is out there and is a is a concept in the series. Um, it does open up so much more potential. And I think potential is ripe for kind of exploring in Doctor Who. And again, it's kind of amazing it's never dealt with that that before. I mean, I know Big mm. Finish has done bits and pieces with it, but yeah, be interested. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed that it was kind of just like shuffled aside in episode six. I don't know how you what? guys feel about this, but I don't feel like Doctor Who's ready yet for the whole multiverse thing. Not not in this series anyway, not with the, the storylines and threads that were that were handled there. And I know I always say it, so I'm very sorry, guys. I always, you know, I, I honestly feel like Chibbers is just not the guy to handle that. Uh, why do you think he threw, and I'm opening this up to everyone, why do you think he threw so much stuff in there? I mean, I know the episode count was dropped, and I don't know at what point that changed from like 12 to 8 to 6 episodes, so it could be that, but... But, you know, when I said earlier that he made a rod for his own back, why do you think he threw in so much and so many characters instead of, like, you've already got two great characters with Swarm and Azure. You've got the Grand Serpent as well, so you've got some really good stuff. Why does why did he keep adding, like, literally throwing everything in the kitchen sink, do you think? Because he kind of made life difficult for himself, didn't he? It, like, why, do you think it's that he felt like, oh, this is my last series and I've got all these ideas and I want to get them all out there? Or, I would say, yeah. I, yeah, definitely. No, I, was, I um, I I just feel like up, up to the end of episode four, it felt like the series was progressing kind of at a, at a pace, but enough enough for you to kind of understand what's going on. And then when you get to episode five and episode six, there's like all this stuff that's just thrown in and um I, I think Adam you might have a point I mean it could just be that he's thinking you know I haven't got very much longer on the program and I've, I've just got to throw all these ideas in I mean maybe he is preparing it for somebody else to take it on but he's just putting the ideas out there but um yeah there, there was there was too much in episode five and six I think to be honest that that, that what was in those the, the ideas in those episodes could have probably covered five or six episodes on their own really yeah, it's, so. it's strange isn't it because series 11 was so lacking in monsters i think it's one of the things that was disappointing with series 11 it was you know we didn't really have any new monsters or villains created and then we get to series 13 and he's throwing in loads it's like it's almost as if he's suddenly like had inspiration and like his brain's exploding with all these ideas i just wish he'd like spread it out a bit more over series 11 and 12 i wonder if it is they had a 10 episode series in mind which I, I, they must have done it um, feels like it yeah and then they've just rather than kind of they, they probably and they've, they've stripped it down to six episodes but there's probably just stuff in those episodes he's gone oh, i really like that i'm gonna keep that um keep that in there and and stuff like that and it gets harder and harder to get rid of ideas that he had that he really wanted to kind of keep in and yeah. maybe that's why we have this kind of slightly overstuffed Six part of riffs. No, it's not two. <laughs> no, I didn't actually mean it like that. I was just using the, the stuff to that, but yeah. Kind of um, like being a Doctor Who collector. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. I can't get rid of that. Why not? Yeah. You haven't touched it in over a year. Well, it's special to me, and I can't get rid of it. So many unread books just yeah. <laughs> trying to crawl out the shelf. That's dangerous. Dangerous. Jordan, what do Sorry, you feel on? What do you feel about this, Jordan? Um, I mean, my biggest my biggest question was 
it's in Survivors of the Flux when you see Tech Taeyun. I was kind of like, I wonder how she felt when all of a sudden Daleks and Cybermen just sort of flew into the void, which is where the division is. I I, I wonder what she was <laughs> what she was thinking when that happened. Um, I mean, I suppose sort of the multiverse has kind of been there since um since a sort of rise of the cybermen and the age of steel i suppose i mean that that is what a parallel universe is 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 a multiverse but i think yeah i think chimel sort of he'd thrown too much stuff into it but i think had it been a longer series it might have he might have just pulled it off mm. But, I mean, that was my biggest question, you know, what is she thinking when all these Daleks and Cybermen fly, fly past her window? And, um, but yeah, I think, I think the multiverse has been there all along, but it's, I don't think it was necessarily the right series to introduce that concept. Mm, Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I think that was the void that she was in. I'm assuming it was the void. Okay. I had that exact same thought. Just, just like wait. Casually sipping on a cup of tea, Daleks <laughs> flying by. What the hell is that? All of a sudden, Billy Piper comes back over with a, yeah. you know, hopping dimensions and stuff. It's a big void. It's a. It's, it must be huge. <laughs> Relative, Probably didn't even see yeah. anything. It's just behind her, you know. There, there could potentially come a little bit of. Um, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the idea of the multiverse stuff. I think, as you said, Mark, it opens up loads and loads of opportunities for extra storytelling and stuff but I, there's also a little part of me that's it's it's really dangerous isn't it opening up multiple slash infinite universes because we joked heavily um on our last episode i think adam where we were saying or at the end of the review for episode five where the the multiverse stuff could be somebody just uh you know finding a, a big reset button essentially in terms of writing and it's like oh no don't worry that stuff didn't happen in your universe so just forget about that everything here is safe you know this is in our universe we're all good that was just some other stuff that was going on in that universe which is almost depleted so don't worry now we're back to you know normal services resume so there is a slight danger you know the writing can i don't know it can you know cause a bit of a itself in knots basically a little bit yeah and then the only way to write yourself out of that is to pseudo reset it by saying oh that was another universe or Mm. you know whatever doctor's been doing that for a while though i mean the time war there was was always quite a handy i was it was the time war that's or the crack in the you know the 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 crack in series five you know i was it was the crack that's why you know that's why nobody can remember this thing happening um yeah it's forever it's forever sort of coming up with these sort of coverall solutions true true but yeah so as long as it doesn't lead to like an endless stream of youtube videos that with the title of something like major plot hole found in you know series <laughs> 19 episode 2 whatever and then that's just you know domino effect it's like oh yeah there's loads of yeah but then like you said mark you could go back throughout pretty much all of doctor who's history and find various plot holes and stuff so anyway so multiverse stuff, yep, great concept. I just don't feel like Chibbers is the guy that's that can handle that. Um, with all with all the greatest respect to Chibnall, I just don't think he's got the the capacity to do that well enough. Anyway, I think he'd have a good stab at it, but 
Well, yeah. maybe you should write more with other people because, like, the Angel mm. episode um, was co-written, wasn't it? And uh, I feel like he needs someone to bounce bounce off of, really, to sort of because it seems like he's got some good ideas, but he need perhaps needs someone else to just help him focus them a bit. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, defo. Okay, let's uh, let's talk yeah. a wee bit about um, the the Tardis team then this series. So we had a new mm. companion with Dan, but Yaz is still. Uh, still hanging around, having a bit of a whinge. So, what do we think to to Dan and Yaz then, as a as a dynamic between the two of them? Because they did have some cool little moments. There's some some bants there, which is cool. But then also, what their dynamic is like with the Doctor this time round. What do we feel to those guys, Harry? Well, Yaz, same as I've always thought about that character. She's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say. Remember about what I said at the beginning of this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You want to elaborate <laughs> some more? But honestly, I can't. Like, I, I don't. I, I just find her a really uncompelling character. I think Mandip Gill is very good, but um, yeah. Whereas Dan, I really like Dan, and I love John Bishop, and uh, I feel like um, John Bishop's performance and like you know all the humor and the warmth and the sort of like normality it brings to all of this sort of flux madness. Uh, you know, it's the perfect tonic for kind of all of the uh, unpalatable uh, elements of this serial. Um, and um, and I love the memes. I love the memes that uh, Dan has uh, generated. Um, those who know, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice one. Uh, Matt? Yeah, so, um, well... Yaz, I agree with Harry. Yaz is Yaz. She's got. I think you said about this last podcast how she's Rose and then some. Mm. Whereas Rose was kind of she was she was getting whingy in series two, but she just sort of shake her head and give stern looks. Whereas Yaz is full blown arguing with the Doctor over some petty thing. And it does great on me a little bit, I've got to admit. But when she is on fire, she she is on fire. She can flip the switch very easily and be great for, like, the good three quarters of the episode. And it's just the little lines, and I wonder why they include them all the time. Mm. Uh, um, However, Dan, well, Dan just walks right in, doesn't he, and steals Mm. the show. (laughs) He's... uh, yeah, he's he's brilliant. I I thought from the word go, he was almost Donna kind of esque. It just this instant likability to him. He didn't take himself too seriously, but the character didn't take itself too seriously. I think it just it, it all worked for Dan. Meeting his parents was fantastic. Gave the character a whole well-rounded feel. Um, adding some extra depth as well, but uh, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Dan, and I, I got this horrible feeling that he's not going to be in it all the way up until the regeneration, which would be mm. sad, mm. I think, because out of the two, I'd much prefer Dan to stay. <laughs> okay, yeah, interesting. We had some some interesting thoughts add on on Dan, so we quite liked him, didn't we? Yeah, I, I warmed to Dan really quickly. I think the way he was written, um, you know, the fact that he was 
uh, in the museum, but then we quickly found out he wasn't supposed to be there. It instantly made you know made you smile. And I think, yeah, I think John Bishop was good in his performance for the most part. But it is he did seem to get sidelined about halfway through the series. He became the Graham, didn't he, of just being pushed in the background. Um, I think because again they you know we got Jericho brought into the mix, who was a great character, but that kind of yeah, he took a lot of the fun lines and the and the funny, you know, the fun sort of scenes, which I think probably would have been given to Dan if he wasn't there. So, but I think Dan was good. And I think John Bishop was good. I guess I, I have to agree with Matt and, uh, you know, because of what we said in the podcast, she, she's become a bit uh, clingy, a bit naggy, a bit Rose series two. And it's a shame because uh, a bit like Jodie, I really want to like Yaz. I, I really wanted there to be a strong dynamic between the Doctor and Yaz. But even the Doctor seems to be getting annoyed of her, doesn't she? She's like, you know, snapped her head off a couple of times. And But the thing is, we kind of agree with the Doctor, uh, I think. So... Yeah, I think they've tried to write her as stronger, but I just don't quite think they've developed the character um, the right way. So mm. she's instead of being a strong character, she's become just a bit naggy. Mm. Yeah, agree, dude. Mark? Uh, I, I kind of I disagree. I think, um, I, I think in the scenes where it's, you know, very much like, you know, oh, you know, you won't tell me everything, you you know, all that kind of, that kind of stuff. Yeah. However, I think, you know, and a lot of people found it quite cringeworthy, but that opening to the Halloween apocalypse where they're sort of dangling upside down and they're they're trying to get out of the thing, it's, it was just really nice kind of back and forth doctor companion banter. There was none of the kind of emotional withholding or, or I'm in love with you kind of stuff that we, we see from a lot of modern Doctor Who companions. It was just it was just two people having a laugh whilst trying to avoid death. Mm. Um, so I, I thought it got off to a really good start. And I think um, separating them for quite a while as well was quite interesting. And I think having Yaz kind of introduce Doctor Who to Dan, essentially, as a show and as a concept and, and all that kind of thing, I think was quite a nice touch. And there was a there was a lovely kind of touch of kind of Sarah Jane and Harry Sullivan to the two of them, especially in that kind of when he kind of when she kind of frees him from the from the cage in the Halloween apocalypse. She's like, Oh don't call me I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like, you know, I'm not a girl or whatever it is. Um so yeah, I, I thought they were great together and it's um and yeah, I think it is a bit of a shame that it does kind of come down to she misses the doctor and she loves the doctor and she wants to be with the doctor when you've seen her kind of prove herself and take control of the situation mm. when, when her and Dan and Jericho get separated from everybody else across time. And she's the one in charge, you know, she's the one who's kind of leading them on this kind of treasure hunt around the earth because the doctor has trusts her enough. So she shouldn't feel this, this sort of disconnect between her and the doctor, because I think it's kind of been proved that, that the doctor trusts her to take on this task and save the world essentially. So yeah, I thought it was a bit of a shame that it kind of comes down to fundamentally, Oh yeah, sorry. I didn't tell you that I've got this whole secret past. <laughs> I just didn't really know how to broach the subject. Um, or be more honest with me or that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point, dude. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jordan, any thoughts on these two? I, do you know what? I wasn't expecting to like John Bishop as much as I did. I don't, I don't like stand-up comedians as a general thing. I don't find them funny. Wow. Which is... Tough crowd. Tough crowd, Jordan. <laughs> yep. You don't want Jordan in the front row. <laughs> oh, dear. Do, do you know what? Uh, oh, well. Um, <laughs> but it's... 
tomato in hand. On, like my favourite companions, Catherine Tate, I thought was brilliant. Bernard Cribbins, I thought was brilliant. Uh, Bradley Walsh, I thought was great. All of them have done like you know comedy stuff, um, and from the word go. I loved Dan. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was a really, really good character. I mean, me and my sister, we quote him to each other all the time. I'm going to do a really bad northern accent now. But it's, it's that bit where he's like, ha-ho, you scared me there. It, you know, we, we constantly say that to each other. And I mean, those the the memes, like Harry said, I, they are brilliant. It's, but I think... I'm good at this. I'm good at this. It, um... <laughs> Go on, get off with yous. You know, that... I'll take a couple of them for tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's in the room. (laughs) He's uncanny. Please continue. um, But I think think he really... I think his best one was the Sontaran one. When he's he's going into the Sontaran combat, I mean, that bit where the Sontarans execute those humans, I thought that was really good acting from him. He doesn't Mm. overact it. But it's just that little look where he looks away and he's like, oh, my God, you know, I'm never going to be able to unsee that. And I can't believe that I've just seen it. Mm. Um, and then he goes on the Sontaran spaceship and he's talking about, you know, tempore command and whatnot. I love the fact that when his dad gives him the walk, it makes the Captain America shield noise. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was brilliant. Yaz. Does it actually? I think so. It kind of makes that like vibranium noise. Kind oh, of thing. That's it's true, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's got a similar sound to it. Um, whereas Yaz, I don't know. I like Yaz. I, I I agree with Mark. I really thought she came into her own when they were separated. Um, and there was there was one bit where I think Dan was moaning on when they were stuck in 1901 or whenever it was uh, in the Angel episode, and she turns around. And she's like, "Yeah, all right, you know, just 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 stop for a minute," and because. He's really moaning on, and I mean, if I was her, that'd be getting on my nerves as well. So I think, I think she comes into her own when she's away from the Doctor. Hmm. I think when she's with the Doctor, it's a bit. I think there's a bit too much. I think there's a great line where she's like, "Well, you're not telling me something," and the Doctor turns around and says, "Are you not enjoying yourself? Is this not, you know, I've shown you the universe, but there's something that I don't want to tell you. Why are you?" sort of moaning about it i think it's i think she's she is strong but i agree i think she is getting a bit whiny and a bit rose-like for want of a better term but i dan i loved dan from the word go i thought he was brilliant yes and uh i think i know what you mean about the vibranium sound it, it sort effect. of makes that humming noise mm. when he gives it to him when he gives him a good wallop yeah it's sort of yeah yeah just while i remember on the subject of yaz what on earth was she trying to do with the tea towels on top of the sticks of dynamite <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> what was happening there i thought that i was like it's not going to stop it from blowing up <laughs> very strange <laughs> it was to stop the uh the shrapnel from escaping immediately Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Mm. I love the fact as well, she knew you had to throw the body over the boat. I thought that was a brilliant mm. bit. And sort of Jericho's like, oh my God, you're really calm at this. And it's sort of like, well, it's happened now. So you've just got to <laughs> deal with it. it. You know, 
you can't go around having a dead body in your room. You've got to get rid of it. Not that I have ever had a dead body in my room. I hasten to add it. It's, you know. Yeah, you said that but, a bit too freely. Jordan's giving us some really questionable <laughs> Oh, eyes. you yeah. scared me there. He's got shifty eyes. <laughs> Maria, did I ask you about this? Have you gone yet? Can't remember. Maria, have you, have you given us your thoughts on Maria and, and Dan and, sorry, Dan and Yaz yet? I can't remember. No, I haven't. Sorry. I've been listening with interest to what everyone else has been saying. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I was a bit worried about Yaz at the beginning because um, she seemed like she was a bit quite moany and um, quite clingy. And I don't think she's really changed that much. I mean, she... I I mean, she was bossing, obviously, Jericho and Dan around um, when they were stuck in uh, 1904. Um, and, you know, she was kind of, she was almost like a kind of doctor kind of role, you know, with her companions kind of following her around. I mean, I like Yaz. I think, I think she's okay. Um, she's, she's fine. I mean, I, I don't really like the way she's kind of very clingy on the doctor and and all this kind of you know tell me how tell me how you're feeling and tell me what's going on and you know it 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 feels a bit um what, what did you call it Mark cringy cringy so, yeah so I, I don't like that but yeah she's fine um Dan's, Dan I really liked um I I liked his um introductory episode you know especially when um. You know he's uh, captured by um, Carbonista, and I think I think their relationship is quite an interesting one. The way they kind of banter with each other. So um, yeah, I've I've enjoyed Dan. I think he got put a bit into the background. Um, you know, throughout throughout uh, as the series went on. You know, he was kind of Yaz was kind of brought forward a little bit. He was kind of pushed back. Um, I felt really sorry for him at the end when um, Diane kind of said to him she's not going to go out again with him. Um, so, you know, he kind of lucked out with that one. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I really liked him. I mean, he's he's um, he's quite laid back and he's quite funny. You know, maybe, maybe you know, he, uh, without trying to be, he's, like, he's actually quite funny to watch as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a nice fit. He... I think he works quite well with Yaz together, just the two of them in the TARDIS. If there was three, if there was three companions, I don't think it would work, but um, it, it works with just the two of them, I think. Good. Good, good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It does work with just the two of them. Okay, so the time has flown by very quickly, as it always does. So before we sign off, I'm just going to go around. Uh, Adam and I have already given our scores, obviously, uh, through... Uh, the previous episode so I'm going to ask you guys for uh, a mark out of 10 and then just one quick sentence what's the one thing that you're either looking forward to or you're hoping to see from the next three times the next little batch of episodes where we're going to see Jody? so Jordan out of 10 for Flux and then what are you most looking forward to before Jody leaves us I'd mm, Flux I'm going to give it an eight i'm gonna be because i did enjoy it i did enjoy it you know it went downhill after a while but there were still things in that last episode i enjoyed so i'll give it an eight um what am i looking forward to in the next the doctor dan and yaz being companions because they want to be not because they're sort of thrown together 
I think I'm looking forward to. Cool. Okay, Matt. Um, so if you had asked me the question on episode five, I would have said 10 out of 10. Episode six happened, I'd bring it down to an eight. I think a, a solid eight because I enjoyed 90% a lot. I just don't think it delivered. Um, and for that reason, it's got to be an eight. However, what I'm looking forward to and what I wish would happen, um, and I've got everything crossed that Chivers isn't going to let us down, <laughs> is that he follows through on the whole Timeless Child arc. He's done it. People either love it or hate it. At least have the decency to see it through. <laughs> Not just pop it into the TARDIS and let it ferment there until she really asks for it. Uh, and have it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Another eight, though. Cool. Mark? Um, yeah, I think an eight for me as well. Um, I really enjoyed it. I've got a couple of reservations about the ending. But, I mean, to be honest with you, like, it's not even the most confusing and fumbled ending in Doctor Who of the past ten years. Um, I think it's still quite a satisfying conclusion. I think there are some loose ends. Um, this isn't what I... This isn't my sort of looking forward to thing, but I do hope that some of the, those loose ends, like what was going on with the TARDIS, the promotional art for Eva the Daleks seems to suggest that that is something that's going to continue because you've got the kind of cracks in the sort of TARDIS on, on that kind of poster. So um, hopefully. But in terms of what I'm looking forward to, I'm going to, in the immediate future, Ashling B in Doctor Who. I, that, I'm looking forward to that. She's great. And I, she was one of my picks for the next Doctor. So I'm a, a bit disappointed, but also excited to see her with some Daleks on New Year's Day. Mm, cool, cool. Sorry, Jordan. She's a stand-up comedian, so... I was going to say, she's a stand-up comedian, so... <laughs> and, a, and a writer, a very good writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although she was in the absolutely dreadful Home Alone remake film thing that was yeah, just... Yeah, I didn't... I, I, I just... I, I wouldn't hold that against her. I choose yeah. not to watch. Uh, Adam, we, people know our scores, as we said, dude. Um, I think our mm. average score was about a six, roughly, for the whole thing um, overall. But what are you looking forward to most, bud? Over the next yeah, few I don't episodes? know if it was why that like i know some of yours were uh was it episode three where you gave it like a it was definitely so, there was six, yeah i think i enjoyed it slightly more than you overall yours so is probably, probably a seven and a half compared to my six that's exactly what i've written yeah yeah see how well he knows me 10 years of podcasting uh yeah seven and a half is what i would rate it overall um and I, i'm sort of looking forward to um i would like to see the master back i think i would like to see sasha given something good uh, to do and I, I love the fact he's been watching uh, some of the Delgado Master on the new Blu-ray sets and he looks like he's loving him and he seems to be taking notes he's like he loves the calmness of Delgado so I would love it if he took a bit of that on board because I think uh, that would be amazing um, I was I know a lot of people would say Joe Martin's Doctor we need to see more of her and I sort of agree with that I would love to see more of her I think she's great but I also feel like she's kind of being brought out now as like, I don't know, getting a bit gimmicky. Like, oh, look, it's the Fugitive <laughs> Doctor again. So I don't know if that's going to work. But yeah, and I'm just looking forward to hopefully some new monsters. If Chibno hasn't scraped the barrel dry, if he hasn't outdone himself by putting them all in this, hopefully yeah. he can come up with some good new monsters to see us through those specials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Harry? Overall, I would give Flux a six out of ten uh i thought that the first half was very solid the second half left uh, a bit more to be desired uh but yeah, yeah there were some good things there were some not so good things 
what I'm looking forward to about uh, the specials, um, I'm looking forward to a lot of what's actually already been said, but um, I think overall, uh, even though I'm more looking forward to, you know, 60th anniversary and beyond, Russell T. Davis, all that, uh, I'm just looking forward to having a good time, hopefully. <laughs> mm. uh, a sugar-filled pancake, preferably. <laughs> Very good. And Maria? Uh, I think I would give Flux a 7 out of 10. Um, I enjoyed bits of it. Um, I didn't think it kind of paid off everything that it should have done. So it'll be a 7 out of 10 for me. Um, What am I looking forward to? Um, Well, I want to see more of um, Bella and Linda, really. Um, Oh, but I'm teasing you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Cheeky. (laughs) Maria. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I I try not to kind of look at any spoilers when I'm going forward. So, um, although I know we've got Daleks in the next episode, which um, I'm not thrilled about because we've seen them every Christmas uh, or every New Year, I should say, since uh, Chris Chibnall's come in. I don't know. I I don't know what I'm looking forward to. Um, I, I know that there's only three more specials to go. So... Uh, I'm, if I'm honest, I'll, I'll be glad when Jodie's gone. Um, I'm well, let's not end it on a downer, Maria. Maria, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure she's going to give it her all, and she'll be fantastic. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I just want the three specials, whatever they're going to be, and I think um, yeah, just to enjoy them really, and have a good time, and then just wave bye bye. Yeah, you just want them done and out the way, so you can move on to the next stop. Yeah, Ranger. Can, you're can not I just starting, quickly, uh, you're just saying. Oh. I read you. I read you. Can I just quickly ask a yes or no question to everyone very quickly in the in the group? Um, talking about looking forward to things, so just a simple yes or no. Starting with Jordan going around, would you like to see the fob watch opened and Jodie to find out about a past, or should that just be a thing that's left for Big Finish <laughs> or whoever to pick up if they want to? So, Timeless Child tie-ins, do we want it open, the fob watch? Jordan yes yes okay Harry yes it wouldn't make sense if it wasn't Mark that's such a big question um yes or no yes or no (laughs) (laughs) no no I'm gonna go with no I thought you'd say yes no I like a bit of mystery you know okay you want it left in the heart of the although I expect I expect she's gonna open it and that'll be tied into a regeneration and she'll be forced to open it to solve some problem and then that'll but anyway that's what I feel yeah Maria uh no no and Mark I mean no again but I think you meant Matt yeah. Oh, did I say Mark? Sorry, Matt. Definitely yes, 100%. 100% yes. And my good co-host Gary. I'm going to say should no. Should that Bob what be ocean? No. no. To be detailed That's upon right. later. Okay. On another show, I assume. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting indeed. How interesting! What a mix of opinions. <laughs> yeah. Is that split down the middle then? Uh, mostly yeses. I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that is going to wrap there, our wonderful team and dear listener, for our roundtable, which I think is number five. 
pretty sure it's number five. I'm terrible with numbers and episode numbers, as you all know. I'm pretty sure it's number five done. So thank you very much for taking the time out of your evening to come and chat and waffle about series 13. I think that's now put to bed. I know some of you have still got your own podcasts and your own blogs to do and maybe chat some more on it. But for us here, for the until the festive special anyway, that's... Uh, nicely put to bed and done so uh, a very quick round the table just to say goodbye so uh, maria uh, thank you very much for joining us my darling it's been good to have you as always oh thanks gary merry christmas everybody thank you very merry much merry christmas and you can read maria's reviews and rundowns and her location reports and everything on the website which is very cool matt thank you very much buddy thank you very much for having me as always and uh, thank you for taking me on this year i've thoroughly enjoyed myself and Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry and Christmas everyone at to home. Yes, Merry Christmas. You can read Matt's reviews and articles on the website too. Jordan, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. And I'm I'm glad you like the Ghostwatch t-shirt. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Jordan writes for us as well, and uh, you also write for a couple of other places as well, don't you? Yeah, so I do I do my own blog called TARDIS Traveller Reviews, and I also do articles for the Doctor Who Companion. Very nice, very nice. Mark, it's been a pleasure as always, dude. Thank you. A, a Merry Christmas to all of you at home uh, and, all, and all of that. Um, yeah, thank you. On the Time Lash. Indeed. So I, I'll, I'll do a little plug. On the Time Lash, uh, we're not doing a Christmas episode, but we're doing a kind of pagan seasonal special. <laughs> we're doing the Witchfinders and the Demons. It goes out on Sunday. Um, and we've got Joy Wilkinson on as a guest. So she's talking with us about the Witchfinders, which she wrote, and also the Demons, which she's a big fan of. So yeah, listen to that. It's a really good chat, which I was editing earlier today. So yes. Lovely. Sounds good. Amazing. Sounds good. Yeah. Harry, thank you very much, buddy. Thank you. Thank you all. Uh, thank you for letting me be involved in uh, the writing team. Uh, it's been great to be writing these articles and being part of these podcasts. And uh, yeah, it's just fun to chat Doctor Who. And uh, a happy new year. <laughs> Cheers, dude. And as always, my co-host Adam, you can find him over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag. Yes. Go and have a look at my vids. Have you said goodbye? To- oh, yeah. Marie, we did say goodbye to Marie. Yeah. Didn't we? I thought we'd missed her out. It's just because she's disappeared from the... I can just see the top of her head. <laughs> you still there, Maria? Yeah, there she is. She is. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm still Good. here, Adam. Just checking. So a big, 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 big thank you to you guys for taking the time out of even to do this and also to take the time out to write all of the articles and your reviews and your opinions on various Doctor Who subjects throughout this year on our website is very much appreciated you guys are are very awesome with that stuff so a big big thank you for that and uh next year we're not going to slow down at all so we're going to have uh more of these these round tables are definitely going to be a more regular thing and uh and just keep your your eyes on the website because these guys are very very they know their doctor who stuff inside out and they're very talented so uh so make sure you keep reading that stuff so uh adam it's been awesome as always dude absolutely mate yes indeedy so have a great christmas everybody um have a great new year stay safe and stay healthy and we will catch up with you in the new year for our review of eve of the daleks eve yeah yeah yes eve yeah that's what it's called so until then please don't let me down until then (laughs) remember You guys. Alonzi. Alonzi. <laughs> <laughs> <I love> <laughs>